Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness, and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray, and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone, and that he has no partners or associates, and I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to begin this evening in this lecture number 28 in the lectures concerning the sharh or explanation of kitab tawheed alladhi huwa haqqullah ala abid by al-imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab rahimahullah. In this chapter the imam rahimahullah has mentioned five evidences under the title Bab Qawlullah Ta'ala Innama Zalikumu Ash-Shaytan Yukhawifu Awliya'ahu Al-Ayah This chapter he has entitled it or he has used as the title of this chapter an ayah from Surah Ali Imran chapter 3 verse 175 which this ayah talks about and the topic of this chapter it is discussing the uh, idea of ibadah or the type of ibadah that uh, is a type of ibadah that is exclusively for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and it is al-khawf or al-khashya the fear the fear that is the exclusive right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and it is the type of fear that no one should have for anyone other than Allah Al-Khawf or Al-Khashya These are two Arabic words which are very similar in meaning However, some of the scholars said that Al-Khashya is more specific than Al-Khawf In any case, the meaning of them is close It means to have fear or to be in awe of someone or something And the, some of the scholars said that the difference between Al-Khashya and Al-Khawf is that Al-Khashya it entails knowledge. The person who has who is in awe of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should have knowledge of Allah. Yani they are in awe of Allah because they have knowledge of His greatness and His glory and His majesty. Whereas al-khawf or fear, it could be that a person fears someone or something without having any knowledge at all. And likewise, khashya, it is the fear that a person has or the awareness or consciousness that a person has uh, towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala especially and particularly because of his greatness and his glory whereas al-khawf the person who fears someone or something they might fear them not because that one or that thing is great but it may be because the one who is fearing himself is just very weak in any case uh, the imam he begins this chapter with the ayah that he mentioned in the title, the ayah from Surah Ali Imran, chapter 3, 
that it is only shaitan Iblis the leader of the shayateen who has put fear into you and in this ayah it is addressed to the believers the mu'minun that shaitan he has put fear in their hearts for his awliya he has caused them to fear his supporters and his helpers those who answer his call and who cooperate in his evil and the corruption that he is spreading in the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it is only shaitan who has put fear in your heart, fear of his awliya, to fear them. And the purpose of putting fear in the hearts of the believers is to stop them from doing that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has called them to do, to prevent them for example, from going in jihad, to make them fear that the enemy is great and, and fearful, and the enemy and he may overcome them, and by putting fear in their hearts, then they might refrain or hold back from going forth in the way of Allah. So he says, إِنَّمَا ذَلِكُمُ الشَّيْطَانِ يُخَوِّفُ أَوْلِيَاهُ فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ Therefore, do not fear them. Do not fear them. And here, this expression, the meaning of it, is that it is a prohibition. فَلَا تَخَافُوهُمْ It means that you are prohibited from doing so. It is forbidden to fear them. وَخَافُونِي إِن كُنْتُمْ مُؤْمِنِينَ But you should fear me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, but you should fear him alone, if it is that you are true believers, if you are mu'mineen. Concerning this ayah, The author of the Sharh al-Jadid, the Sharh Kitab al-Tawheed, Shaykh al-Qar'awi, Hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, he says that the general meaning of this ayat is as follows. That when we know that al-Khawf or fear, it is of the causes that might cause the Muslims to hold back or to refrain or to move slowly in going forth to help or to support the truth and to raise the flag or the banner of truth then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He has informed that the fear which might be inside the inner feeling of fear that the Muslims might experience this is only from the whispering of shaitan and his followers and that is because of what they have sent forth, what they have put into the air, what they have put into the environment, what they have, the ideas that they have spread by various means and different ways in order to deceive the believers and to put fear in their hearts. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the Muslims that they shouldn't pay heed, they shouldn't pay attention to that which the shaitan and his followers have spread and it is required of them simply to have fear of Allah alone if they are truthful in their iman and they should give precedence to the fear of Allah over the fear of anyone besides him then the shaykh says from this ayah there are three benefits or three points of benefit 
The first of them that we understand from this ayat is the prohibition of abandoning that which is wajib. The prohibition of abandoning something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory on us for fear of any of his creatures, for, for fear of anything in the creation. No one should abandon a duty that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made obligatory on them for fear of something or someone of the creatures. Number two, the obligation of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone for the fear, the fear that is ibadah, the fear that is due to one's exaltation or glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That this fear, it should be singled out for Allah alone. And number three, the third point he mentions is that the fear of Allah, the true fear of Allah is one of the signs of al-iman. If a person truly has fear of Allah, it is a sign of their iman. The relationship of this ayah to the chapter under discussion is that this ayah indicates the obligation of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for fear. That fear should only be of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Of course, the types of fear are many, and the fear that we are talking about is the fear that is ibadah. The fear that is, is the exclusive right of Allah alone because of His greatness and His glory. And then he says that the relationship of this ayah to the topic of tawheed, the general topic of tawheed, is that when this ayat indicates the obligation of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone for fear, then we know from that that if Allah has ordered us to fear Him alone, then this order indicates that the action of fearing Him, it is an act of ibadah. It is a type of ibadah. And therefore, offering this ibadah to anyone other than Allah is shirk. It is the shirk which nullifies person's tawheed. Here, a shaykh al-Qur'awi, hafizahullah, mentions a note, and in that note he discussed the different types of khawf or fear, and various scholars have mentioned or have divided up the types of fear into different categories. Some of them saying that there are two divisions, some saying that there are three, some saying that there are four and more. In any case, here the Shaykh has mentioned four types of al khawf or fear, and he has also mentioned what is the ruling concerning these types of fear. And what is the ruling in the Sharia concerning each of these four types? The first of them, he says, it is khawf al-sir. And it is that fear that a person has for someone or something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That that one has the ability to afflict them with some harm according to their will whenever they will, whether it is sickness or poverty or other than that, because they have some power. Alone, they can do this independently. And he says that whoever believes such, whether they, they believe that this one who they fear has an independent ability to cause harm to them whenever they will, as they will, or whether they believe that this one has the ability to do so because of some special gift that has been given to them, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through shafa'ah, through intercession. In any case, he says that whoever believes that someone or something other than Allah, whenever they will, has the ability to cause harm to someone independent of Allah and independent of what Allah has decreed, then this type of khawf or fear is not permissible because it is shirk akbar. It is major shirk. It is that shirk that nullifies a tawheed completely and takes a person out of Islam. The second type, he says, is al-khawf min al-makhluq, the fear that someone has from any one of the creatures, 
And that fear, it is not a special fear that that person has an independent power or ability, but it is a fear that that person has some power that they could cause harm to the one who doesn't obey them, and as a result of fearing that person, fearing the harm that they may do to you, that they might punish one or, or otherwise, then the person commits an act that is forbidden, or they abandon an act, they abandon an act that is obligatory. And whoever abandons an obligatory act, or commits a forbidden act, due to the fear of a creature, of any of the creatures of Allah, then this fear also is a type of fear that is haram, is forbidden. And it is not major shirk, but it, it is also, it, is, it has an aspect of shirk, which nullifies the perfection of Tawheed. Nullifies the perfection of Tawheed. However, it doesn't nullify one's Tawheed nor take them out of Islam. However, it is still forbidden. It is haram. The third type is khawf Allah, fearing the threat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The threat which Allah has made for those who disobey Him. Threat of punishment. And this fear, the person who has such fear, who fears Allah's punishment. And as a result of that, they avoid committing acts of disobedience, he says that this fear is one of the highest levels of al-Iman. And the last type is al-Khawf, al-Tabi'i, or the natural fear that every human being has of something that is dangerous, whether a wild animal or uh, any type of anything that might be dangerous to them or that could cause harm to them. And this fear, it is permissible and there is no blame on the person who experiences such fear. The second evidence that the Imam mentions Rahimahullah is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah At-Tawbah chapter 9 verse 18 إِنَّمَا يَأْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ That indeed, verily those who maintain the masjid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the maintenance of the masjid or imaratul masajid the meaning, there are various meanings that the scholars have given for this in any case uh, the two primary meanings are the maintenance of the masjid meaning the building of masjids or the restoration of masjids the care for them, the cleaning of them, and so on. The other meaning is Imarat al-Masajid, it means that the Muslims, that they will stick to the masjid, they will stay in the masjid, they will frequent the masjid, and they will perform acts of worship in the masjid, such as Salat, and Zikr, Pirat al-Quran, and so on. Remembering Allah and reading the Quran and other acts of worship. إِنَّمَا يَأْمُرُ مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ مَنْ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ that verily those who maintain the masjids of Allah are those who believe in Allah in the last day. Those who believe in Allah, yani who have iman in their hearts, and they single out Allah alone for that iman, and they believe in what Allah has revealed to them, and that iman, as some of the scholars said, includes the faith or the belief that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exists, as well as the iman in His rububiyyah, His Lordship, that He is the Creator that he is the only one who gives life and death and who sustains the creatures and so on. As well as his uluhiyah, that he is the only one who has the right to be worshipped. He is the only one who deserves every act that is considered worship 
and the belief in his names and characteristics, Asma'ullah wa sifatihi, all of this is included in Al-Iman. That a person has Iman, believing in Allah in all of these areas, and as well, along with this, the belief in the last day. The day after which there won't be any other days, like the days of this world. After that, there will be judgment, and then the people will go to the places that they have been assigned to. So he says that the characteristics of those people who are expected and who are entitled to maintain the places of worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are number one, those who believe in Allah in the last day, and those who perform the prayers and who offer the zakat, the charity, performing the prayers in the most perfect way, that is performing the prayers with everything that is required of them, whether they are the obligatory acts in the prayer, the pillars of the prayer, the sunan of the prayers, and so on. Whatever is required, the prayer as it was dis- described or as it was prescribed and as it was demonstrated by the Prophet wasallam. this is the meaning of iqamat al-salat, performing the prayers in its correct form. And offering the cat, the obligatory charity, from those who have more than the wealth that is needed for them in the ways that are prescribed in the Sharia, uh, the rulings or the rules concerning such, the detailed rulings concerning such are found in the books of fiqh. And the third characteristic, وَلَمْ yaksha إِلَّا اللَّهِ yani Those who believe in Allah and the last day, and after professing their belief, they demonstrated or manifested their belief by actions, by salat and zakat. And the third description is that they fear Allah alone. They don't fear anyone. وَلَمْ yaksha إِلَّا اللَّهِ yani They don't have any fear of anyone or anything except Allah. The negation of fear to everyone and everything and the affirmation of fear for Allah alone. فَعَصَى أُولَٰئِكَ أَيَّكُونُوا مِنَ الْمُحْتَدِينَ So it is expected and it is hoped as a result of these characteristics of believing in Allah and performing the acts of worship that are required of a true believer and fearing Allah alone and no one besides him it is expected that these will be of those who are rightly guided they will be of the people who are giving the hidayah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the shaykh says the general meaning of this ayah is that when we know that the places of worship, the masajid, that they are the places where the Muslims perform their acts of worship and they are the centers for the leaders of the Muslims and the scholars of the Muslims, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encouraged the Muslims to build the masjid and to maintain them with acts of obedience to him and spreading of knowledge. Yani the acts of worship as well as the teaching and the seeking of knowledge. Then he informed that this imara or the maintenance of the masjid, it is not proper that it should be performed by anyone except those who single out Allah alone for worship and those who testify to the truthfulness of the day of reward, the day Yawm Al-Jaza' Wal-Hisab and those who fulfill the obligatory acts that Allah has placed upon us in the way that is legislated in His law, the Sharia. And finally those who single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for fear to the exclusion of anyone other than him. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala confirms or reaffirms that these who are described with these three characteristics, believing in Allah and performing the obligatory act and fearing him alone, that these are those who would be given the success of having the guidance by the tawfiq of Allah, by the success of Allah and by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala making it easy for them and facilitating that to happen. The shaykh here mentions four fawaid or four 
benefits that may be derived from this ayah. The first of them is that Imarat al-Masajid, that the maintenance of the masjids is by, is through al-ibadah, or worship. The maintenance of the masajid through worship, it is of the signs of al-iman, of true faith. Number two, the obligation of performing the five prayers. And that it is obligatory on the Muslims to perform the five prayers and performing them and with, with everything that they entail as has been demonstrated by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number three, the obligation of fulfilling the, obli- the obligation of fulfilling the zakat or uh, distributing the zakat to those who are entitled to it, for those who have a right to that zakat. And number four, the obligation of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the fear, which is the fear as a result of His greatness, His majesty, and His glory. Then he says that the relationship of this ayah to the chapter and the discussion is that this ayah indicates the obligation of singling out fear for Allah alone, the fear that is a result of His greatness and His glory and His majesty. And then he says the relationship of this ayah to the general topic of its tawheed is that when this ayah has indicated the obligation of singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the fear that is due to His greatness and His glory, then we know from this that if it has been made obligatory on us to do so, then it is considered as a type of worship and the offering of worship of any type. So other than Allah, this shirk is the shirk which nullifies the person's tawheed. Here the shaykh, he says, and he, he discussed here the point of the meaning of Imarat al-Masajid. What is the meaning of Imarat al-Masajid? And he said that there are two main opinions concerning this. The first of them is that the meaning of maintenance of the masjid is figurative. And he means by this that the Muslims maintain the masjid by attaching themselves to the masjid and frequenting, frequenting the masjid and by being consistent and regular in performing acts of worship and sitting in the study circles for seeking knowledge in the masjid of Allah. The other opinion is that it is physical and either the meaning of maintenance of the masjid it means physically building masjids as well as repairing or restoring uh, the masjids where there is a need as well as maintaining the cleanliness of the masjid and then he said that it is more proper that this ayah should be understood to encompass both meanings since there is no contradiction between the two of them yani that the maintenance of the masjid it, it is figurative and it is also literal, physically. Maintenance of the masjid by taking care of the physical uh, buildings as well as maintaining the masjid by frequenting them and attaching oneself to the masjid for the performance of worship or acts of obedience to Allah of whatever type. The third evidence that the Imam mentions, Rahimahullah, is from Surah Al-Ankabut, chapter 29. Verse 10, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولْ آمَنَّا بِاللَّهِ That from amongst the people there are some, there are some of the people who say that we believe in Allah. And they say with their tongues that which is not established in their hearts. They say by their tongue we believe. However, in their hearts that belief 
is not established, it's not confirmed. فَإِذَا أُوذِيَ فِي اللَّهِ Then when they are harmed, when they suffer any difficulty or harm or persecution from the disbelievers because of their belief in Allah, because of what they are doing in the way of Allah, if they suffer any harm or difficulty or hardship, جَعَلَ فِتْنَةَ النَّاسِ then they make the fitna of the people the harm that they suffer in this world from the enemies of Allah and the enemies of the deen of Allah they equate that harm that they suffer from the disbelievers in this world or the enemies of Allah in this world whether from amongst the disbelievers or otherwise they equate it with the azab the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they make them equal that is just as the person who fears the punishment of Allah in the next life as a result of that fear they observe the commands of Allah and they avoid his prohibitions because they fear his punishment likewise these people the harm from the enemies of Islam in this world caused them the fear of that harm caused them to obey them for fear of the harm that they would cause to them and therefore they obey them and they disbelieve in Allah and abandon the deen of Allah just as the punishment in the next life causes a person to obey Allah and to avoid what he has prohibited likewise the harm that comes from the enemies of Allah in this world cause some people who say that they believe while the iman is not firm in their heart it causes them to obey the enemies of Allah and follow their way and to leave the deen of Allah so he said that they equate the fitna of the people the harm that they suffer from the people in this world to the punishment of Allah in the next life in nasrun and if the Nasr, the victory, the help and the support, the success of the Muslims in the battles against the enemies of Islam, if they are successful and they gain the spoils of war and the booties of war, at that time, if that happens when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them the believers a victory, then they would definitely say, Inna kunna ma'akum. Indeed, we were with you. Weren't we with you? Didn't we believe along with you? Now they will come back and claim Iman again. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns them with these words, Isn't Allah the best knower of what is in the heart of all of His creatures? All of the creatures in the universe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows what is in their hearts. And here it means he knows of the hypocrisy, the hypocrisy, the nifaq that is in the hearts of those who profess on their tongue iman while whenever any difficulty or harm comes to them, they abandon their iman and they turn to the ranks of the disbelievers and the enemies of Allah. And when there is any hope for some reward or some worldly benefit, then they claim iman again and come back to the side of the believers. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows of their nifaq, their hypocrisy. He knows indeed what is in the hearts of all of his creatures. The Shaykh says the general meaning of this ayat is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us in this ayat that some of the people, and he means here the munafiqoon, the hypocrites, they claim to have iman. They claim that iman by professing it on their tongue. But if the people punish them, yani the disbelievers, the enemies of Islam punish them because of their iman, then they equate and they make equal the punishment or the harm that they suffer from the people that is temporary. They equate it with the punishment of Allah that is permanent. So they apostate, they turn back from their deen. 
However, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the victory to his soldiers and his servants, the true believers, when he gives them the success and grants them the spoils of war, then these hypocrites return again to the claim of Iman, once again joining the ranks of the believers in order that they may take some of the worldly benefits that the Muslims, the believers, have taken from the spoils of war. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns them and He threatens them that He is the knower, the best knower, the one who knows everything. He knows what is in their hearts, the nifaq, the hypocrisy that they have in their hearts, and He promised them what is understood from the fact that He knows that they are really hypocrites, then what is understood from that is the promise that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will punish them for their hypocrisy. Then the Shaykh mentions four points here. In the Sharh of Kitab al-Tawheed that we are following, in the translation of the Sharh, you will notice that there are only three points that he has mentioned here. One of them has been deleted or somehow missing. In any case, there are four points originally. The first of them that may be understood from this ayat is that having patience in the face of the harm or hurt or affliction that the person suffers in their deen, having patience at the time of that suffering, it is one of the signs of Al-Iman. Number two, the prohibition of Al-Mudahana, that is flattery. Yani pretending, speaking nice to someone or acting nice to someone while in, in, the, in your heart holding any different view. Flattery in the matters of deen, it is prohibited. It is prohibited for us to pretend to be with someone or to be on their side or to like what they are saying or they are doing when it is in the matters of deen. It is haram. Number three, that it is from the nature of the munafiq, the hypocrite, that he will flee when there is any fear and he will advance and come forward again when there is any hope, any hope of some benefit or some worldly reward. Number four, the fourth point that he mentioned is the all-encompassing uh, range of the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that his knowledge covers everything whether open or hidden and the relationship of this ayah to the chapter under discussion that this ayah indicates the prohibition of equating the fear of Allah with the fear of any of his creatures yani as those people did as mentioned in this ayah that they make the fitna of the people the harm or hurt that they are faced with from the enemies of Islam, they make it equal with their fear of the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Yawm Qiyamah. The relationship of this ayat to the subject of a tawheed in general is that when this ayat indicates the obligation of giving precedence to the fear of Allah over the fear of anyone besides Him, in this way we know that the fear of Allah is a type of ibadah, the type of worship, and the offering of worship to other than Allah. It is shirk. It is equalizing or declaring someone or something to have a share in what is the exclusive right of Allah alone. And this shirk nullifies person's tawheed. The fourth evidence that the Imam mentions, rahimahullah, and the fifth are two hadith. The fourth of them is a hadith narrated from Abu Sa'id. Al-Khudri radiyallahu anhu marfu'an in a hadith that has been attributed to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which it is said that he said inna min da'af al-yaqeen 
means that verily from the weakness of al-yaqeen the yaqeen is certainty or the perfection of al-iman that from the weakness of al-yaqeen inna min da'af al-yaqeen an turdi an-nasa bi sakhatillah that a person seeks to please the people by doing that which earns the wrath or the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they do something for fear of the people in order to please them they do what will please them while doing that thing it is that which causes or earns for them the anger and the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the first of those matters which is from the weakness of al-yaqeen it is that a person does that which is pleasing to the people out of fear of the people instead of fearing Allah they do that which pleases the people even though it earns the anger and the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَأَن تَحْمَدَهُمْ وَأَن تَحْمَدَهُمْ عَلَى رِزْقِ اللَّهِ and to praise them or to thank the people to express one's thanks to the people for the sustenance that has come from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us of sustenance or provisions even though it came by way of some of the people it came through those people but indeed really all of the sustenance is from Allah so thanking the people as though they are independently responsible and they are independently deserving of thanks or praise independent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is also one of the signs of da'af of yaqeen because we should recognize indeed there is no harm in thanking the people as being a cause or a sabab or a way through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides us with something however if it is to the exclusion of acknowledging that everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then this is what he is talking about here thanking the people or praising them for the sustenance that has come from Allah though it has come through through has come to us through some of the people وَأَنْتَ ذُمَّهُمْ عَلَى مَا لَمْ يُعْتِكَ اللَّهِ يعني the third of those matters he said it is to blame the people to blame some of the people because of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not given you يعني if you ask the people or you sought something from any of the people and they didn't give it to you why should you blame them when in fact Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the only one who gives and he is the one who withholds Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who decrees what will be given to us and what will be withheld from us and even if all of the creatures in the heavens and the earth men and jinn from the first to the last of them as the Prophet said in the authentic hadith came together to try to hold back something that Allah has decreed for you they would never be able to do it what Allah has decreed for you it will be for you and what Allah has not decreed for you it will never be for you so it is not the people that we should thank or praise but it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nor should we blame the people but we should realize that whatever is given to us or withheld from us is by Allah's qadr then, then he ended here by saying إِنَّ رِسْقَ اللَّهِ لَا يَجُرُّهُ حِرْسُ حَرِيثٍ وَلَا يَرُدُّهُ قَرَاهِيَةٍ كَارِيَةٍ yani that the sustenance that is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all sustenance is from Allah even every earnest effort that someone may make in order to get to achieve or to bring that risk it is not by their effort alone that they might achieve it or that you might get it but it is first and foremost from the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani whatever effort we make it is in light of what Allah has decreed for us we are expected to do what we can do to achieve what we want in this world but we should also always keep in mind that we should put our trust in Allah first and foremost and then go out and do what we have to do knowing that 
our efforts would only bear fruit if Allah wills for that fruit to come forth. Otherwise, if Allah doesn't will it or Allah has not decreed it, then whatever effort is made, yani whatever the people try to do to bring us any benefit, it will never reach us unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed it. And likewise, whoever hates that something may come to us, no matter how much they detest it, they will never be able to prevent anything from coming to us. They will never be able to repulse or, re- or repel anything from coming to us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to say in supplication, Allahumma la maniya illa ma atayt, aatayt, wa la mu'atiya, Allahumma la maniya lima aatayt, wa la mu'atiya lima mana'at, that, O oh Allah, there's no one who withholds what you have given, and there's no one who gives what you have withheld. And this is a proof that whatever we are given, it is from Allah first and foremost, and it is only through the creatures, and whatever is withheld from us, it is by Allah's decree first and foremost, even if it is in the hands of the creatures. The Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith, or before that, the author, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, here didn't mention the source of this hadith. However, some of those who wrote the explanations of Kitab Tawheed mentioned that this hadith has been reported by Abu Nu'aym in his book Al-Hilya and Al-Bayhaqi in his book Shu'ab Al-Iman and others and from amongst those who criticized this hadith was Al-Imam Al-Bayhaqi rahimahullah who said that this hadith in the chain of narrations there is a narrator Muhammad ibn Marwan and he said that he was da'if and some of the other scholars said in addition to that there is another narrator Atiyah Al-Awfi and he is also uh, has been mentioned by Al-Imam Al-Zahabi in his book of those who are weak narrators, al-du'afa al-matrukeen. And this is the proof that indeed the isnad of this hadith is weak. In fact, the grandson of Shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, Shaykh Sulaiman ibn Abdullah ibn Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, he said in his explanation of Kitab al-Tawheed that the isnad of this hadith is da'if, however the meaning is sahih. Yani the isnad of the hadith is da'if, therefore, in fact, it shouldn't be attributed to the Prophet ﷺ. However, the meaning of what it contains about the fact that a person indeed has erred, who seeks the pleasure of the people at the cost of earning the wrath of Allah, and as well as thanking or praising those through whom something has come to us, which in fact it is the risk from Allah, or blaming those who have withheld from us that which can only be, be withheld by the decree of Allah. The meaning that is contained in this statement, that indeed the risk of Allah, it cannot be given to anyone, no withheld from anyone, except that it is in accordance with what Allah has decreed first and foremost. The meaning is sahih, even if the chain of narration is not. The Shaykh says the general meaning of this hadith is that the Prophet wasallam. That is according to those who consider the hadith to be acceptable. He said in this hadith that from the weakness of a person's iman or his certainty is that he flatters the people in his sayings and his actions and he's saying or doing that which is pleasing to them at the expense of contradicting that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated in the deen of Islam. So whoever uh, gives preference to seeking the pleasure of the people over seeking the pleasure of Allah and they 
prefer to thank the people to the exclusion of Allah for that which has reached them from the bounties or favors that indeed can only come from Allah alone though it has come through those people and whoever blames those who uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not decreed for them to give to us and we blame them for withholding from us while forgetting or claiming or pretending to forget that indeed the one who gives in reality is Allah and the one who withholds in reality it is Allah then the Prophet ﷺ made it known that all virtue and goodness or benefit is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is the one who gives whomever he wills and no one is able <coughs> to give or to attain or to earn that which Allah has not decreed no matter what effort they make nor is anyone able to repulse or to push back whatever Allah has decreed no matter how much they may hate it if Allah has decreed it it will be fall from the benefits of this hadith the shaykh mentions the first of them is that al-iman increases and decreases is strengthened and it is weakened and this is understood from the fact uh, or from the statement that inna min da'af al-yaqeen that from those things that indicate the weakness of one's complete faith al-yaqeen or certainty is such and such and so and so so this, this is a proof that a person's iman might be weak or it might be strong and the scholars of the people of sunnah said that al-iman is speech and actions and conviction in the heart increases by doing good deeds and decreases by disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the second point he said that actions are also a part of al-iman and this is also understood from the fact that both speech as well as action and conviction in the heart is all part of iman the third point is the confirmation of the characteristic of a sakhaf that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala indeed has been described with the characteristic of anger or wrath and this should be understood in a way that is suitable and appropriate to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of his characteristics are particular to him in light of his divinity while the characteristics that are attributed to the creatures human or otherwise are particular to them imperfect while his characteristics are perfect number four the prohibition of thanking the people if one believes that the favor which has come to them come through them has come through them independently yani outside of the qadr of Allah number five the prohibition of blaming the people for that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not decreed he has not written for us to receive and number six that the good and the evil is all from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of abandoning something that Allah has made obligatory on us for fear of the people and whoever abandons an obligatory act for fear of the people then this is what is يعني, intended by this chapter of the fear that belongs to Allah alone it is from that fear that should only be for Allah we should only abandon what Allah has prohibited for fear of Him and fulfill that which He has commanded for hope of His reward the relationship of this hadith to the general topic of Tawheed is when we know that seeking the pleasure of the people at the cost of earning the wrath of Allah it is due to fearing them it is due to fearing what those people might withhold from us or the harm that they may cause to us 
If we know this, then from this hadith we understand that al-khawf or fear is a type of ibadah and offering any ibadah to other than Allah is shirk. Then he makes a note here, two points related to this hadith. The first of them, he says that the isnad or chain of narratives of this hadith contains some weakness, which we have already pointed to. And he says, however, other evidences strengthen and support the meaning of this hadith. And in the, in the sharh, uh, the translation of the sharh, uh, he has translated it in a way that you will understand that the, the chain of narration has some weakness, but there are other narrations which support it, which is not so. Because the weakness of the chain in this, for this hadith is beyond support, and there are no supporting narrations for it. But what the author means here is other evidences supporting it, meaning other hadith of similar meaning or ayahs from the Qur'an, from what we have mentioned and what will come after this, support the meaning of this hadith and not supporting the chain of narration. The second point he said is that the reconciliation between what appears to be a contradiction, the contradiction or what appears to be a contradiction and what is said in this hadith and what was mentioned in another hadith in which the Prophet wasallam said, مَنْ لَمْ يَشْكُرُ النَّاسِ لَا يَشْكُرِ اللَّهِ that whoever has not thanked the people, then he will not thank Allah. The apparent contradiction between this and the statement in this hadith that whoever praises or thanks the people for the sustenance that has come from Allah is that the meaning here is that it is permissible to thank the people considering the fact that they are cause or means through which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent us some good. That Allah has made them the means. And that what is meant in the present hadith under discussion is that it is, not, it is not permissible to thank them believing that they are in reality the one who has given us when in fact Allah is the one who gives. The last evidence that the Imam rahimahullah, mentions is a hadith reported from Aisha radiallahu anha and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal Man iltamata ridallahi bi sakhatin nas radiallahu anhu wa arda anhu an nas that whoever seeks the pleasure of Allah by doing that which might cause the hatred or the displeasure of the people or the anger of the people whoever does or whoever seeks the pleasure of Allah by doing those things that Allah wants us to do even though it might earn for one the wrath or anger of the people then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He will reward that person by being pleased with them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with the one who seeks his pleasure even though the people may be angry with him. Allah will be pleased with them and also he will cause the people to be pleased with that one who seeks his pleasure. وَمَنْ أَلْتَمَسَ contradicting that which they sought. Whoever seeks the pleasure of the people, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward them by himself becoming displeased with them and also causing the people to be displeased with them. Whoever seeks the pleasure of the people, by doing that which earns the displeasure of Allah, Allah would be displeased with them. And Allah would make the people also to be displeased with them. This hadith was reported by Ibn Hibban, Allah, in his Sahih. And it has also been reported by Ibn al-Mubarak in his book as Zuhud and al-Tirmidhi and his Sunan 
and al-Baghawi and Shah sunnah and others. And the, uh, the Shaykh, Shaykh Abdul Qadir al-Arnaut, who did the checking of the Shah sunnah by Imam al-Baghawi, rahimahullah, said that this hadith, though it contains some weakness, they are supporting narrations, other chains of narrations would support it. And for that reason, he said that its chain of narration is hasan, is a good an acceptable hadith, and it is raised it to the level of Hassan due to the other supporting narrations. And likewise, the Shaykh al-Bani, rahimahullah, has declared this hadith to be authentic in the Sahih of Sunan al-Tirmidhi. The general meaning of this hadith, the Shaykh says, is in this hadith, the Prophet wasallam informs us that whoever seeks the pleasure of Allah by doing that which he has commanded us and avoiding that which he has prohibited us, and not being concerned about the anger or the wrath of the people. And likewise, not being concerned about what one may be faced with of humiliation or degradation or pressures from the people due to displeasing them. Whoever seeks the pleasure of Allah by obeying His commands and avoiding His prohibitions without being concerned about the people, and their pressures, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with that person and He will also cause the love of that person to, to descend upon the hearts of the people. And He will cause the people to love that one who seeks His pleasure. As for the one who seeks the pleasure of the people, even if it is at the expense of his deen, yani contradicting or conflicting with that which Allah has prohibited or commanded, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be angry with him. Allah will be displeased with him and Allah will cause hatred and disgust and enmity to, uh, uh, and to be in the hearts of the people for that person as a punishment for him and such that the thing that he intended the opposite of it will happen and the shaykh says that if we look at the reality of what is around us we will see that this is in fact true for those who seek the pleasure of Allah sincerely for his sake alone Allah loves them and he causes the people to love them and the opposite uh, finally the shaykh says the benefits from this hadith he mentions six. The first of them is the confirmation of the sifa, the characteristic for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of ar-rida, pleasure. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is described with this characteristic, of course, should be understood in a way that is suitable. The majesty, greatness and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not in an imperfect way that the human beings or creatures are described with. Number two, that holding on to the deen of Allah, it is a cause for one to achieve the pleasure of Allah as well as the pleasure of the people. And he's sticking adhering to the deen of Allah will earn that person the pleasure of Allah as well as the pleasure of the people number three the prohibition of flattering people saying or doing that which is pleasing to them at the expense of your deen at the expense of being in contradiction to something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has legislated number four the confirmation of the characteristic of a sakhat that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is displeased or Allah becomes angry or his wrath is upon those who do that which is displeasing to him. This is also a characteristic that should be understood in the way that is in accordance with or that is suitable to the majesty and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number five, he said that flattery in matters of the deen and in doing that which flatters the people or pleases them, it is a type of hypocrisy. It is the cause of the displeasure or the wrath or the anger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And finally, he says that the heart as well as the control of the hearts and in ch- turning the hearts causing them to love or to hate the hearts themselves as well as the controlling of the hearts causing 
the hearts of the people to love or hate someone, all of this is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whoever fears Allah, Allah will be sufficient for them of whatever they need from the people. And whoever gives precedence to the pleasure of Allah over the pleasure of the people, then they will be successful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause the people uh, who seek the pleasure of the people instead of his pleasure, he will cause the people to be displeased with them. And they will never achieve that which they are seeking. Then the shaykh closes here saying that the relationship of this hadith to the chapter under discussion is that this hadith indicates the prohibition of avoiding any of those things which are acts of obedience to Allah for fear of the people. And no one should avoid an act of obedience to Allah for fear of the people. No one should be afraid to enjoin the good or to forbid the wrong because perhaps the people may get angry. No one should be afraid to perform the obligatory prayers in a place, for example, in the land of the disbelievers because only they are in a place where there are no Muslims and the people might not be pleased with what they are doing. But whoever knows that something is an act of obedience to Allah, they shouldn't worry about the people, they shouldn't fear the people, unless there is a real danger. And if they know for sure that they would be killed or they would be hurt severely, that's a different matter. But not just for fear that the people won't like it, or the people will be angry, or the people uh, would be displeased with you, and so on. And then? So, he says here that this hadith indicates the prohibition of, of... Abandoning obedience to Allah for fear of the people uh, and seeking their pleasure. And he says that the relationship of this hadith, the general topic of Tawheed, is that this hadith indicates that it is obligatory for one to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone with fear, the fear that is ibadah, and is the fear that is generated from one's acknowledgement or recognition of the greatness and glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that this should be for him alone. Uh, and that this type of fear, it is a type of worship, whoever offers it to others and Allah has fallen into shirk. We can just quickly look at the questions at the end of the text. Uh, quickly, the first question, what is meant by shaitan and his awliya in the first verse of this chapter? And in chapter 3, verse 175, what is meant by a shaitan? It means shaitan from amongst the jinn. And it means iblis. It doesn't mean the evil human beings. And his awliya are those who support him and follow his way and obey him. What is the meaning of al-khawf and what are its divisions? The meaning of al-khawf, it is fear or awe. Or, yani the expectation of punishment and so on. And the scholars, as we said, have divided it into a number of divisions from amongst them. Is the fear that is ibadah, that belongs to Allah alone. Is the fear that one feels because of the greatness and glory of Allah. And no one should have this feeling for anything or anyone other than Him. The second of them is the fear that is natural, that a human being has. The natural fear of a wild animal or a dangerous situation or whatever, that every human being might experience. The other is the fear that a person has for other human beings, yani fearing them that they might harm them if you don't obey them, yani and therefore abandoning what Allah has commanded or engaging in that which Allah has prohibited, this is also one of the types of fear. And the last of them that he mentioned is the fear that is offered to other than Allah that belongs to Him alone, yani the fear that some people have for the so-called awliya of Allah or the, those who are buried in the graves. Uh, they fear that they have the power to punish or harm them and that they have the ability to withhold from them some benefit 
that fear that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one that we should experience such fear for because Allah is the only one who controls good and who can any cause any harm to us this fear and if we have it for anyone other than Allah it is shirk what is the meaning of Imarat al-Masajid Allah in the verse in Surah Al-Tawbah the meaning of Imarat al-Masajid means it has two meanings one the physical meaning or literal meaning of building and maintaining and restoring and cleaning the masjids and the other meaning is the figurative meaning meaning and frequenting the masjid going to the masjids regularly for the purpose of worship different types of worship and seeking knowledge and teaching what are the characteristics of those expected to maintain the masjids of Allah this is mentioned in Surah Tawbah the the characteristics of those who believe in Allah in the last day and those who perform the obligatory acts such as Salat and Zakat and those who fear only Allah uh, what is the success that is expected for those described in the above ayat it is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give them al-hidayah that they will be of the muhtadeen explain uh, the verse of mankind of some who say we believe in Allah and the general meaning of this verse is that there are some people who claim who say on their tongue that they believe while they don't have iman in their heart and whenever they are in fear of the enemies of Allah they abandon their deen and when they have hope of getting some reward with the Muslims then they make their claim again explain they treat the fitna foul or hurt or harm of mankind like the adab or the punishment of Allah in Surah Al-Ankabut the meaning of it is that they treat the fear they fear the people for whatever harm or hurt that they may do to them in this world they make the fear of that harm from them equal to the fear that one should have of the punishment of Allah in the next life and this is far from reality number eight mention the three characteristics of the weakness of al-yakin certainty or perfection of faith and the three characteristics that are mentioned is mentioned in the hadith of Abu Sayyid al-Khudri the first of them is that a person seeks to please the people by doing that which earns the wrath or displeasure of Allah the second of them is that well, the second and third of them is that one praises or thanks the people or blames the people for that which they give them or withhold from them while in fact the giving and withholding is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone explain indeed Allah's risk or provisions is not, ach- is not achieved by the eagerness of one who is bent on achieving it nor can it be repelled or prevented due to the hatred of the one who detests it it means that the sustenance or provisions is all decreed by Allah whatever effort we made to achieve something or to prevent someone or the effort that they make to prevent someone from getting something it is useless unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed such whatever he has decreed will be received and whatever he has decreed to not be for someone they will never get and the fawaid or the benefits from the last hadith as well as others are mentioned in the general topic uh, if there are any comments or corrections or questions uh, we have a few moments before they come up perhaps will take uh, five minutes. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika shadwanda ilaha ila anta sakkarka wa tubu ilayka. Are there any comments, any questions? Wait, how much time exactly is left for Shami? Ten minutes? Let's quickly then uh, look at the Messiah. The Messiah at the end of the chapter that are not in the Sharh that we have been following. Messiah, the Shaykh mentioned eight of them. The first three are the explanation of the ayat, the first three evidences, the ayat from Surah Ali Imran and Surah Tawbah and Surah Al-Ankabut. The fourth of them is that Al-Yakeen Yad'uf wa Yaqwa, that Al-Yakeen certainty or perfection of Iman 
it is, it is weakened or it may become strengthened and this is based on uh, the statement in the Minda'af al-Yaqeen that from the weakness of al-Yaqeen are certain characteristics the fifth of them is that the signs of that weakness is these three things and he mentioned from amongst them seeking to please the people at the cost of earning the wrath of Allah or praising the people for that for the sustenance of Allah or blaming the people for that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not given them through their hands the sixth of those issues is that uh, that singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone for the fear that is worship it is from the obligatory things that a person is required to do the seventh of them is the mention of the reward for doing so yani the reward for fearing Allah alone uh, it is yani, the person who seeks the pleasure of Allah and fears Allah alone even at the cost of earning the displeasure of the people and the reward that they will receive is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be pleased with them and cause the people to please them and the last of those issues is the mention of the punishment uh, of the one who avoids such and yani, who doesn't fear Allah alone who doesn't give precedence to seeking the pleasure of Allah and that is that Allah will be displeased with them and he will cause the people to be displeased with them and they will never earn that which they are seeking. Uh, the sisters have sent a question, but uh, the question is not completely clear. What are, what, they want some examples of, of the third type of fear that we mentioned, but since we didn't mention them in order, I don't know which one is the third type. So I don't know which one they are referring to. Uh, in any case, um, the third type, I don't know which was the third one we mentioned. <laughs> uh, yani the natural fear, I think I give examples. The natural fear that a person has of a lion or a tiger or something that is dangerous, uh, that is relatively clear. Um, uh, also, the fear that causes a person to abandon what Allah has ordered us to do or to engage in that which Allah has prohibited there are so many examples some of the people don't pray because uh, where they work the people said don't pray here and they fear losing their job or some people they might uh, engage in that which Allah has prohibited such as attending uh, parties where alcohol is served because uh, their position in the society or where they work and so on so they engage in that which is prohibited in order to please the people even though Yani it will earn the displeasure of Allah. Uh, Naam. Yani this, this comes under the fear of Allah, that is, fearing Allah's uh, threat. Fearing Allah's threat, yani meaning that uh, because a person knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised the punishment of hellfire for those who disobey him or those who disbelieve in him and so on then a person who fears Allah knowing that Allah is great and that Allah is the supreme and that Allah has power over everything and that Allah can do whatever he wills then a person fears that threat and therefore they obey Allah so this fear is the fear that a person has the fear that is ibadah really that belongs to Allah alone it is the fear that a person has that, should, that they should only have for Allah alone and, that, and part of that fear is fearing Allah's threat as well as any hoping for Allah's reward and the other the last one that we mentioned was the fear of uh, any of the creatures fear of the creatures believing that they have some 
yani supernatural power that they can cause harm or they can bring benefit to the exclusion or outside of what Allah has decreed, outside of the power of Allah. And this is the example, the clearest example of this are those people who have fallen into the deviation of worshipping at the graves, who go to the graves, the grave of a so-called saint, Waliullah. And they believe that these people who are buried in the grave, though they are dead and they cannot help themselves, let alone helping others, they go to them and they ask them to make their wife to become uh, pregnant or to help them to get a job or to do something, whatever, or to protect them from someone who wants to harm them. Believing that these people can give them some benefit or believing that they can cause harm to them if you don't please them by making sacrifice at their grave or doing whatever is required according to what they believe, this fear of that one that can't cause any harm and can't bring any benefit except that Allah has decreed it, this is the fear that belongs to Allah alone and giving it to other than Allah is major shirk that causes the person to nullify their tawheed and to go outside of Islam. I think we mentioned all of the divisions and a few and examples inshallah. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shadwan la ilaha ila anta sattarukta wa atubu alayhi. Faddaf. Naam. No, if somebody helps you, if they are the means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made, they are the source that Allah has made to be the way through which you receive some help. Whether it is that they have given you something, or they have spoken on your behalf, or whatever, then you should thank them. Naam, you should thank them. But keeping in mind that they are only a means through which Allah has caused this to happen, and knowing that the ultimate reality is that it is from Allah, then thanking them in this case is expected of you. Naam, you should be thankful to the people that do something good, but also keeping in mind that ultimately whatever good has come to you, it is from Allah. And no one can do any good for you unless Allah allows it, unless Allah has decreed it. But if they do good of their own free will, then Allah will reward them. It is yani, in their interest that they have done so. You should thank them and Allah will himself reward them, inshallah, if it, if it is done for his sake. However, the point here is that it is not prohibited to thank someone while keeping in mind that Allah is the one who is the real source of good. What is prohibited is to thank them thinking that they are doing something independent of Allah. That they are independent in doing what they do and it is not a favor from Allah. And yani forgetting to thank Allah while only thanking the creatures. This is what is prohibited. Inshallah.